Hey everybody, welcome to Tone Talk with Mark Uzanski and Dave Friedman. How's it going? It's Friday night, it's 8 o'clock on the East Coast, or a little bit after, and we've got a special guest, Frank Fleckenstein from Reverb. How are you, Frank? I'm doing well. How are you guys? Awesome, man. I know it's late for you in Germany. Is that where you're at? Uh, that's correct, or early. Depends on who you ask. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> Dave, what's going on with you, man? Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm good. I'm good. I think I, uh, it was my birthday this, uh, last Friday, you know, right. so happy I'm, birthday. Oh, the happy funny birthday. thing, I, I wasn't, uh, I wasn't very hungover at all. I, I made it, I made it through pretty well. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. You guys had a party, right? Well, yes, I had a party, which is amazing that I made it through pretty well. <laughs> um, cause you know, if you have a party at your own house. Oh yeah, yeah. It's just licensed to. It's licensed to get go, messy. Go for it, right? But, uh, <laughs> but no, I maintain. I was okay. That's good. You put- Until last night when I decided to sit around with my daughter and drink. Oh really? Just to, just have some fun. Uh yeah. I don't know. Yeah, sat around with my daughter and we had some drinks and then it got out of hand a little. <laughs> <laughs> Not on my birthday, but just last night randomly. Well, how are you feeling? Uh, yeah, yeah, I felt better. <laughs> <laughs> felt better. That's good. I'm trying to send you this. Yeah, that's, there's, no that, boost, that's... there's no boost to Nam now. <laughs> really? Now, well, like, what they say in Germany is if you're, if you're able to drink, you're able to work as well. Well, yes, yes, yes. And, and I've tested that before. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Oh, uh, that's a funny thing. Everyone, everyone's gonna think, "Oh, Dave's a drunk or something." It's like the vast majority of days I don't drink. (laughs) That's the funny thing. I have to quit the messages here. I just tried sending you the link, Dave. It's not working. It's like totally locked up. I don't know what's going on. All right. Right again. Yeah, whatever. Um, always some technical issues. So, Frank, man, what time is it over there? Like, It's, yeah, around 2 a.m. So, so yeah, pretty late. Early, it's, yeah, <laughs> it's, pretty it's, pretty, late. it's pretty late and early for some, you know. Yeah. So, No, no wonder you guys wanted to do it at 5 o'clock my time. <laughs> <laughs> I, was, I was feeling generous for, uh, for Frank. I was like. I can't. I can't make them have him go on at three in the morning. That's horrible. Felt so bad. Well, um, yeah, it's funny. I um, I think I told you that recently, uh, Mark. So I kind of became a fan of the show. Um, pretty much, pretty much overnight, somewhere in 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 early in early summer this year, because I was I was traveling a lot for Reverb, and then in the evenings, you know, you. You know, you get to the hotel, you eat something, and then it's like, okay, you won't be sleeping right away. So yeah. uh, I was like, okay, let's see what's what's going on on YouTube. And then I was just randomly searching and found the the show you did with Morgan. Oh, you know? oh Joe Morgan? Uh, yeah, exactly. And that, and that was yes. so funny because he was practically playing computer games all the time. Yeah, <laughs> yeah we, we appreciated that a lot, <laughs> Joe. Yeah, <laughs> and, and, and I was like, 
is he serious? Because, you know, it, it looked like <laughs> oh, this. Oh, he was. <laughs> yeah, yeah, guys. He was yeah, serious. Guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know. Yeah, this guy sucked. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was, uh, it was kind of funny. But then I got hooked up and I started binge watching more of the stuff. And I'm still – you guys have should have – you should have way more subscribers because you really have interesting guests on here and guys that have a, a, a cool story to tell. So, you know, keep doing what you're doing. So it's, it's great. Oh, thanks. Yeah. yeah it's, it's been awesome. I mean, we've had some really. There's some guests. future ones that are sort of lined up that are going to be really cool. So looking forward to that. I just get it. Sometimes with artists and things, it's harder to book them. Right, it's yeah. like you're chasing them. <laughs> obviously, obviously, I guess. Yeah, I can do it. I can do it. Okay, when can you do it? I don't know. Let me get back to you. <laughs> mm -hmm. <sighs> Artists, right? Uh, yeah. Well, it, it. You know, we've got time. They'll. You know, and then I'm going to Nam. We'll meet people there. You know. Yeah. Get I find there's a whole there's a whole sort of psychology to artists generally. <laughs> you yeah. have to. Yeah. Yeah, I've, I just learned over the years. It's just like you gotta be very you. You kind of open your eyes and see how they are, and then you kind of work your way around whatever quirks <laughs> they might have, shall we say? <laughs> <laughs> and everybody has different quirks. Uh, a yes, and all a yes. I've yeah, I've worked with enough artists over the years, <clears throat> but that's fine. You learn after a while. You, you get good at it. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, I mean, you have to adjust to people's personality. I'm sure you've been doing that for years, Dave. You know, every artist that you've Yeah, played. you know, the, the, the most thing that I've ever learned about um, dealing with artists is don't let them tell you what they want. Do not interject your opinion uh, mm. unless unless asked. You know, that's that's if they ask your opinion, okay, then you can give it to them. But don't just go, you know what I think you should do? Eh, it doesn't work out well. Oh. <laughs> really? Interesting. Yeah, but, yeah no, there's, it's, you have to kind of... Make it make them think it's their you idea? Get to that eventually. <laughs> yes, exactly. Exactly. Yeah, there's, but, there's yeah. a whole host of <laughs> techniques, right, to get people to... There's a whole host of techniques, and, uh, you know, everyone's different. Mm-hmm. That's cool. So, Frank, you used to be um, where we met. Actually, was uh, at posit when you were at Positive Grid, right? Uh, that's true. I think the first time that we met in person was 2018 at Nam. I think that was the first time we actually ran into each other. Mm -hmm. um, and before, I'm not sure, but we've been in touch before. Maybe not personally. Maybe not face to face, but yeah. So yeah, that's what yeah. I did before. Um, I worked at a Positive Grid, so you you most likely know Eric, or you know Eric uh, yeah, Eric, Eric Sands, Sands. Yep. Who Eric. was like my counterpart in the U.S. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, it's with Positive Grid. It was kind of funny because I I I started out years ago doing videos for them, basically like demo videos of their stuff. Oh really? The, the software, yeah, the software and the hardware. And then when they found out, or when their CEO found out that I had a background in NMI, um, a long history uh, in the MI uh, industry, um, 
he was like, hey, we need someone to like, you know, establish us, grow the business in in Europe with the hardware. And yeah, that's that's how it started with Positive Grid. I see. And yeah. you've been and now you've been at Reverb what for two years? Uh, 2017. Yeah, two, uh, two and a half years. Yeah, two and a half years. Yeah, and it's um, going great, right? Yeah, uh, I mean, it's still uh, there's still a lot of challenges. Uh, so my my territory is everything that's uh, German German language. So Germany, uh, Austria, and Switzerland. I also take care a couple about a couple of um, like neighbor countries. Uh, Poland. Uh, it's definitely smaller markets, but um, yeah, it's fun because there's there's interesting stuff around. What are you specifically doing for Reverb? Um, so I'm overlooking the uh, the entire uh, territory. So I'm looking for dealers that are looking for an additional sales channel. I am looking for uh, private individuals that have a habit of flipping gear a lot or collectors. Um, I'm looking, for the most part, I'm also looking for small businesses, like small one, two-man operations. These guys don't have, well, their only sales channel is the store that you know they're working in. And um, for some of these guys, we were actually... We were able to really uh, bring their business to the next level simply because we said, "Hey, you know, create this additional channel, this like window to the world for you." And um, if it works, great. If it doesn't, well, you didn't pay anything for it because you didn't sell anything. And right. uh, yeah, so uh, that has been proven to be pretty uh, successful, especially if you look at. The German market and what we're up against. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Huh. And then, like, what? what? Like, like retail? So you're, like, so you're like soliciting deal dealers or people, you know, to try to use Reverb as their platform or their or some stores even now it's their website basically. Exactly. Exactly. Right. That's my. That's my. That's my goal. Obviously. Reverb has always been uh, a pretty like mixed uh, and nicely blended community of private individuals, uh, mom and pop stores, brick and mortar retail stores, um, uh, collectors. You know, I, ju I, I just recently met met a guy who most likely has the biggest private base collection that I've ever seen. This guy has. Around six hundred bases. Wow! Wow! <laughs> and when we went to his place, uh, I went there. Uh, I, he lives in Hamburg, and he owns like uh, like this rock and roll bar, and he has eighty bases everywhere uh, uh, in the walls, like in plexiglass boxes. So it's kind of nicely decorated. And yeah, we did this article on him uh, simply because. He said, "Well, you know, I have a few bases, and we could see that he was he was finding a lot of these on on Reverb. So yeah, I I went there, I I met him, and he showed me his collection. I was like, wow, 
this is I've never seen that many bases in just one place and, and it's like not like nice bases yeah uh this this guy had everything from like early 50s fender bases to a collection of rickenbackers from different different eras mm. um he actually he actually bought one of the first rickenbackers that were available in germany back then this guy this guy has to be in his late 60s now um <coughs> amazing and it's like it's these guys that i'm looking for because now he was like, yeah, you know, I'm looking for a few things, but I also need to get rid of some stuff because my wife is looking at me in a weird way every time a package arrives. <laughs> um, and uh, so I said, yeah, you know, let's let's set something up. You know, let's if you want to get rid of a few things, let's let's just set this up for you. And uh, he's he's selling pretty well because obviously the stuff that he has is some of the stuff is highly searched after. So. So that's basically, that's basically what I'm, what I'm doing, finding opportunities to grow reverse business on this side of the Atlantic, or in my territory. I obviously have colleagues that are um, responsible for the UK, responsible for France, and uh, for some of the other territories like Italy, Spain, etc. Now I I saw recently, and maybe I'm wrong, but I. I is there like um, reverb in like Saudi Arabia or in some of these other countries? Um, I thought I saw something for sale that was from like some really random country that I was like, really reverbs out there. But maybe I would. Yeah, it's, it's so we are uh, present as a marketplace mm -hmm. um, in I, I guess over ninety countries right now, and we have we also have sellers and buyers from. Countries like Oman, Saudi Arabia, like countries that where you wouldn't expect it. Right. But yeah, um, yeah but th there is a there is. Um, I'm not so sure about sellers really because I don't think that there's that much retail going on. But there is a huge buyer base for sure. Hmm. I think I actually sold. Yeah, I think I sold an effects pedal once to to, not to Saudi Arabia. Was it Dubai? Yeah. So one of one of the things that I personally sold on Reverb, on Reverb went to Dubai, um, which was, which took a lot of time. I think it took like three weeks to get there, but it arrived safe, and um, the buyer was happy. So, and they got they paid for the shipping, I imagine. Yeah, obviously, obviously. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Although I've 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 been guilty of this myself. I sell something either on Reverb or I sell it on eBay or wherever, and. And I underestimate the shipping charges, and then I get screwed. Really? <laughs> oh, I've had that happen with a guitar, and just um, or an amp. I'm just like, all right, whatever, just fuck it. <laughs> you know, like I said, it was. Yeah, gonna be, I know. I said it was going to be sixty dollars, and it ends up costing me a hundred and ten to, to send something to somebody. And I'm like, you know, shipping charges are crazy these days. You really have to be. Yeah. They it, keep going up. <laughs> they do. It, I know. It, uh, it, it depends a little bit on where you are exactly. I mean, um, so uh, first of all, we are actually working on a solution for that. So we want to incorporate shipping labels at some point to make it easier for people. So they, they're not in the hassle of like, oh, now i got to find what this thing costs if I ship it to X, Y, Z. I don't know. Um, yeah. So we're working on a solution for that. But it, um, if you look just in Europe, um, so I think... 
in Germany and with DHL and their network. So I, I can ship a guitar to anywhere in the EU for 21 euros, which is roughly like, I don't know, $26 more or less. Mm -hmm. Wow. Yeah, so the shipping is shipping across the EU is is much cheaper than in the US. Mm. Uh, that, from what I understand, at least. Uh, yeah, I mean, to, to ship that guitar via um, FedEx here, uh, FedEx ground here, I mean, that would be probably a $47 <laughs> shipment. Yeah. And that's and that's if you have an account. Oh, yeah. okay. Like like if I go to a FedEx Kinkos and I want to send out a guitar that's in a <laughs> nice size box and I've I've done that before and it can come out to like almost 80 bucks or more. You know. Wow. Yeah. That's insane. Yeah, but you can just it's really easy to get an account. All you need is a credit card. You go on FedEx thing, you get your own account, you print your own shipping label and it, and you just drop it off. Or even have them up from you. Um, yeah. Well, I should do it's, that. Um, it's a little bit in Europe. It's a little bit different. So, um, yeah, from if I ship something from Germany to another place, even to outside the EU, the shipping charges are pretty decent, actually. Um, if I compare that the same guitar, if I want to send it from Italy, for example, to somewhere inside the EU, this could be fifty. So it could be double the price because the Italian post uh, is not fully connected with the DHL network and they have their own prices, et cetera, et cetera. Um, it's also pretty expensive to ship from France if you don't have a good deal with one of the carriers. So uh, these are some of the challenges of, you know, uh, helping people to to sell and buy stuff um, over here on, on, on this side. And then, yeah, coming up with a solution that would eliminate the hassle of going to check DHL, going to check UPS, what's the, you know, what works. Um, yeah, that's, that's kind of, uh, kind of a focus for 2020 for sure. Oh yeah. Well, that's good. Oh, that'd be great if we get integrated. Yeah, that would be awesome. Even for mm -hmm. the States, you know, for some way to have that integrated into the software, you know, to yeah. give you the best price or, you know, some, some way. Um, yep. going into the chat, I just want to recognize Cheddar Kung Pao. Cheddar, you're a good dude. Thanks for the, uh, the, the super chat. He has a question. Any hints about new Friedman stuff at NAM? Looking forward to meeting you, Mark. Thanks, Dave. Uh, sure. Here's what I can tell you. <laughs> uh, one is black, one is silver, one is red. And one is small. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. <laughs> uh, well, there's, I think there's I think, your hints. I think I know what the one is red in red is. But I'm just guessing. You haven't told me yeah, shit. We'll see. So. We'll see if red happens. Okay. So yeah, but it, it but it sounded great. It was like uh, I I felt like in a in a in a Batman movie with the Riddler going. One is black. One is. <laughs> I saw when Shatter posted that and I'm like going I know what I'm going to say <laughs> that's funny yeah. by the way Cheddar 
Reach out to me on Facebook if you can. Send me your address. I'm going to send you a Tone Talks t-shirt. Okay? Thanks, man. Um, if you hear me. <laughs> It'll be at NAM. That's true. <laughs> I'll bring you one. Whatever. Just send me your address. Uh, it's probably easier that way. Um, <laughs> so why don't we take a step back, Frank? I, I'd love to hear um, the story of Reverb, if you could tell us. I'm sure. Not, I'm not sure if everybody knows how Reverb started because, look, I, I was one of those guys. I was on eBay for years selling stuff, and I hated it, right? And then one day I woke up and someone said to me, have you ever heard about Reverb? And, you know, it's only 3.5% and blah, 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 blah. I was like, and it's only gear-related. I was like, ah, you know, <laughs> like, are you serious? Um so I love it. So if you could just tell the story, I'd, I'd love to hear it. Sure. Um, so, uh, yeah, the guy who founded Reverb, uh, David called, he was uh, pretty much in the same situation as you. He, uh, back in 2012 or 13, um, he, uh, he, he bought Chicago Music Exchange. Um, and he also wanted to be represented um online he wanted to to sell and maybe even buy uh stuff online and he was just very frustrated with the experience that he had on ebay uh the fees were way too high the whole thing was not constructed not designed with musicians in mind and especially not with um you know gear uh in mind um so he said i gotta i gotta stop my own thing i gotta start something that you know, fixes that because what's the alternative or what was the alternative back then was Craigslist and that's even more horrible. I mean, I'm not an expert on Craigslist, but we have a, we have an equivalent here and it sucks. So <laughs> it's horrible. I mean, it's, it's scary. It's, you know, the whole, you know, I always were, wonder if I'm going to go home after a Craigslist. <laughs> you know, <laughs> <event>. <laughs> you know so. so anyway, that sounds great. Yeah. Um, it's, you're always so scared. Yeah. Craigslist. <laughs> Never sold one thing. Uh, I've always stayed away from it. I always look at it, but I stayed away from it. Yeah, yeah that's, uh, sold, sold tons of stuff on eBay over the years. Yeah, that, and, I've, and, I've yet to sell something on Reverb though. So really, I'm, and I got a whole list of things to sell too. So Frank, I'm gonna I'm gonna be hitting you up. <laughs> yeah, sure, sure. Just hit me up. No worries. Um, yeah. So so that's. That's what he did uh, in 2013. He started Reverb with a really small team. Um, and they basically, these guys had to do everything. You know, they had to try to reach out to private individuals to get them to, you know, hey, try try out Reverb. They were also trying, obviously, to get, like, the small, like, family-driven uh, retailers and stores on board. But... Um, yeah, it took them some time. It took some took them some time. Like everything, uh, if you want to start something new that nobody has ever heard about, um, then it takes some time. But eventually, over the years, it would grow. And then at some point, uh, a couple of people also loved the idea and believed in it. And that's how uh, they gathered investors to make the site bigger and to add more features, et cetera, et cetera. And, um, yeah. And at some point, I think that was 
kind of a funny and, and crucial moment. Um, at some point, eBay lowered their fees in the U.S. for uh, vintage instruments to 3.5%, <laughs> which was like, uh, okay, guys, now you made it, you know. <laughs> if eBay, if eBay backs, backs down or, like, you know, tries to match you, then that, that means something. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, and since 2016, yeah, since two, uh, 2016, uh, they've extended that uh, they've ten, uh, extended the marketplace to the UK, to France, and then afterwards to to Germany. Um, translated the site to give users the same experience, um, or t- at least try. I mean, there's always going to be a different experience uh, on the US side because it's so much more advanced than it is in Europe. Um, but yeah, we're doing our best to you know speak the same language get the tone right um so that in the end it's one community and everybody has the same great experience um whether you're in germany you're in italy you're in france or in the u.s or canada or whatever you are you see the thing so that's like the story the, the the story short obviously there's more details to it i could tell you that one of the uh like uh like biggest investors of Silicon Valley um, was part part of the investor investors that believed in the idea. Brad Paisley was one of them. You know, there are a, a couple of prominent guys that. Um, and if somebody like like that invests into a company, it normally creates a wave, and people are like, "Oh, what is this company about?" And then it's obviously it's good PR, et cetera, et cetera. Right. Mm. Well, yeah. I I think. You know, the, the amazing thing was, you know, he owned Chicago Music Exchange, right? And he could have just branched off and just made it a Chicago Music Exchange app or, you know, he really had a bigger vision than just Chicago Music Exchange, right? It was like, right. this is for the entire music industry as opposed to how do I build my brand of Chicago Music Exchange and make that bigger? Like, if that, I, you know, I, I commend him for thinking that broad. Because, uh, yep. you know, it really worked really well. Um, does he still have a stake? The in thing that, God, did. Sorry. That's okay. Uh, the thing that I enjoy most about Reverb is being able to um, search for things by era. Category oh, and yeah. era. Boy, that gets you in trouble. <laughs> <laughs> oh, what's on here today? Oh, 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 what's that? <laughs> Click. Yeah, I man. I, oh, yeah. I, I, I hear you. It's um, uh, it's yeah. It's I think it's one of the the, the scariest features, uh, because if you yeah. really ser- search for something very specific, and it's something that you know has been manufactured in the sixties, yeah, yeah, I I get that. And then uh, the other thing is that obviously you can personalize a lot of things. To you, if you're searching for something and you don't find it, you can save that search. And if right. something pops up, you get an email. And um, I have a lot of these Japanese stores like TC Gaki, and yeah. like these huge that they have these huge inventory counts on 
of guitars and everything. It's like everything is secondhand. The prices are extremely well. And my daily feed is like, oh, here's something new from Tsugaki. Oh, I'm like, must resist, must resist, must resist. <laughs> it's, uh, <laughs> must not buy. Please, yeah. no. <laughs> well, my- and, so, and sometimes you just see it and you just get, oh, damn it, click. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so you bought on there, but you just haven't sold, Dave. Yeah, I haven't sold. I've, I've bought all sorts of stuff on there. Yeah, I got a high-watt PA head I'm sitting on over here. Oh, wow. You know, a bunch, bunch of pedals. Uh, I don't even remember everything. I've got some stuff, pickups, all sorts of stuff. I always look there first. Right, yeah. If I'm looking for something, I'll look there first. And if they have it at the right price, then I'll buy it. Sometimes I'll go other places and buy it. It just depends on what... Who has it? What's the price? Yeah, yeah. Um, it's funny. I've... But I love the, I love the aesthetic of reverb. You know the um, like even even the Nam booths and stuff. You know, and since they make it look so cool with all the old equipment, and it you know makes you want to drool. You know, so. I agree. I agree. I love I love it. Um, I was obviously because I'm a lefty. That's like the the main search that I've got on there, right? So any or lefty Kramer, lefty you know this, lefty that you know, and I, I anything that pops up occasionally, I'll be like, oh my god, oh, why did that why did that sell today? Or you know why did that be listed? Yeah, that's <laughs> that's that's the um. So I I I think I did that for at least three months that I focused I focused purely on guys who have lots of left hand gear because oh, wow. I figured out that that the moment I would f- I would find the guy and then we would you know he would start to list a day two late two days maximum three days later most of his left hand stuff was gone because so yeah. many people have their feet set up to um to like left hand and then even sometimes not even specific to a model, just like what's out there, you know, mm-hmm. and that that stuff would sell like right away. So, um, yeah, I, I hear you. Absolutely. Yeah. And the other thing, the other feature that I really like about it also, I don't know if you've seen this, Dave, is they have a local button now. You can search for local sales oh, yeah. around you, which is cool. Most of the time people selling are around here. It's just a bunch of shit. But. <laughs> Man, I don't need—I don't need to buy anything else. I know <laughs> it's a sale. I, I do not. In fact, I should have a massive sale. Is what I should do. Sure, we can make that happen. <laughs> so, I mean, I, yeah, I, yeah, I'm sure we can. We could do something cool, probably. But um, a Friedman sale. I just bins and bins of pedals and and things that I've acquired over the years that primarily sit. <laughs> Do you have like okay. prototypes, Dave? Like prototypes of like the B E O D? No, 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 nothing like that. But just stuff I've collected personally over the years and guitars gotcha. and that, that. Frankly, I just don't need to have. I mean, uh, I, I I look at things. I go, do I need that? No, I like it. Do I really need it? Have I touched it? How? <laughs> when's the last time I touched it? That's that's the, that's the key. Right. If the answer is like, well, I touched it three years ago, <laughs> you're kind of like, yeah, okay, I should sell that. 
Yeah, well, that's true. All my guitars and gear, I usually try to rotate. I'm like, right. I'm going to play this guitar this week because I haven't played it in a while. I don't know. I don't know if other people do that, but I mean, I mean, yeah, I, I, I used to have a rule of thumb that if I didn't touch a guitar for at least one year, it needs to go because yeah. apparently it doesn't, you know, it's not attractive anymore. So mm-hmm. that was a rule of thumb and it served me quite well, but also I'm, I don't know, I haven't sold that much. Um, I've been circling around with, with pedals lately, um, changing my setup there, but um, yeah, guitars, not not that much. Not much. I, I like them all, most of them. <laughs> yeah, there's only a couple here and there. I'm, I'm pretty much down to, you know, like what I want. And, and just like you, Dave, I don't need to be buying any more gear, but... It's a sickness, and that's what, and that's why and that's why they created reverb, <laughs> right? It's fine. It makes you happy for a while, then it sits on the wall for years. <laughs> I mean, oh God, <laughs> I'm looking up at the wall. You well, you well, since we've been doing this show, you've been talking about selling a couple of your guitars. Yeah, because I just don't need them all. I mean, there's ones I want to keep, but yeah. Yeah, someone asked, uh, how much do you actually play? And it's like uh, testing amps. But unfortunately, I, that's every day. So <laughs> there's, yeah, there's so a lot of testing. It's an, essential, it's an essential tool, you know? It's an essential tool. And, and I, I guess you want to you wanna test your, uh, your amps with maybe a guitar that has single chords, a guitar that has humbuckers, um, you know, another type yeah. of guitar. So, yeah. Yeah, exactly, and I and I have all that. I, you know, the guitars I'm going to keep are the ones that are different. You know, so like, here's the Tele, and here's the uh, you know, uh, the hot rotted Strat, and here's the vintage Strat style, and you know, right. Have you found now that you make guitars, Dave, that the older stuff that you had, you're like more likely to sell that and keep the newer stuff that you have, or or no? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Now, now, yeah. Now, now we make guitars, so it's it's like, oh, I'm gonna either pick one out that I really like, or you know, make one I want how how I want it. You know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. But there's still a couple other guitars that I keep just because. I mean, I have a couple Fender road worn straps that I like, and um, just a few things, you know. I have a Bernie Les Paul that I love. Oh. Um, Are they good? A black. Yeah, they're great. Oh, the older ones. So uh, the old ones from, you know, the um, late 70s, early 80s, that era. Really, really really good guitars. Hmm. In fact, I'm not really a Les Paul guy. Uh, I've always been more of a Strat kind of guy. And... uh, this sounds better than most Les Pauls that I have tried. This particular guitar. Hmm. That's cool. Yeah. By the way, your internet was six hundred dollars. Wow. <laughs> well, that's they go for more now, but yeah. Well, I see occasionally. I'll see a, a Bernie, 
for sale. What about Grecos? Those are pretty. Those are pretty bad, though, That's right? Cool. No, no, no. Old Grecos are cool. Really? Yeah, they are definitely. Yeah, the old ones are very cool. Oh, interesting. Okay. I've seen a few lefty Grecos, and I'm like, eh, I'm gonna stay away from that. But maybe next. Yeah, time. as long as it's from the like '80s, early '80s, or you know, late '70s around there. Yeah. Yeah, you're gonna you're gonna get a good guitar. That's cool. And and be sure to ask for the weight because there's a there's a uh, there are huge uh, differences between each uh, when it comes to the to the weight. I've had some that were so heavy. Uh, I was like, no, this this thing is not going around my shoulder ever. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I yeah, I mean, I I had a a, a custom that was like weighed like ten pounds or more, eleven pounds. It was just like ridiculous. Wow. Yeah, it was just ridiculous. It was a boat anchor. <laughs> no, it's a, this is this is just this is. This is too much, even for somebody who, who you know, maybe is like, you know, a hefty guy, somebody who works out. At at some point, you're just, you're just gonna notice uh, that pain in your lower back. Yeah, Be- it's just because of 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 the way that you stand with with the guitar. These guitars are not ergonomic, and even uh, even ergonomic guitars are, are not gonna prevent you from. Maybe going into a, a stupid body post posture, um, and if you do that with a ten, well, ten pound, that's like five kilos something. No, <laughs> no way, <laughs> never. <laughs> yeah, that's crazy. It's crazy. I mean, I I remember when I bought my Les Paul, it was weight relieved. I bought that back in two thousand five. I actually have a guitar still right. from two thousand five, Dave. Haven't sold it. <laughs> <laughs> um yeah so uh but that was weight relieved and that's like eight and a half pounds eight pounds or whatever i mean less balls are notoriously heavy anyway so but yeah that's true but um so let's talk about uh this is a good question from <laughs> uh unfucking believable uh, that's his <laughs> <laughs> that's his name yeah unfucking believable yeah that's what you can you can you can have that name. That's awesome. All well, right, you know what? You win. You <laughs> win for the name. Frank's you best friend. I like that. Yeah, I like it too. Um, it took me a second to like make it out. Um, Frank's best finds, I assume, from uh, for reverb or some of the things that you found for reverb, maybe. Uh, best finds. D- d- does he mean like? Uh, like specific items or like sellers or well let's go with both how about for you like the the best seller you've you found and then like maybe the best thing that you've gotten off a reverb that you bought so okay so uh as far as best sellers go uh there i found a super small super small store about two hours away from here um a guy that also didn't have any kind of window uh, to to the to the internet to no sales channel at all and this guy I know he he had like a hundred a hundred guitars floating around in that in that store and this thing was an absolute gold mine because everything that I see people looking for or I saw people looking for at that time 
was in that store. Mm. So um, I helped him get everything on. This this guy is called Rare Guitar. Um, so that's a um, uh, it's it's a guitar store, but also attached to it is a small club to play live, play live shows. Um, and I think very early in his career, Bonamassa played that uh, played in that shop, and he still goes there to you know flip pedals buy and sell stuff and whatnot so yeah rare guitar uh in munster that's the that's the name of the city this guy this guy is really cool then there's another guy who has awesome stuff he goes he most for the most part goes for the japanese the old japanese stuff um and old german vintage guitars so all these like jazz boxes and whatnot this guy's called the old europe that's definitely a recommendation. Um, let's see who else. Um, then that's that's kind of an odd one, but it's it's fun. So I found this guy who um, who well he sells guitars, he sells acoustic guitars, but his his main business is accordions. And he was super interested. And I said, like, you know, let's give it a try. And if we didn't see that we would sell accordions and huge numbers, but um, so he got he got everything. So we have a couple of integrations. So if somebody, for example, has a Magento online shop system, we have a plugin to integrate him. That means less manual work, and he can just sync his inventory, his uh, all the orders. So it's just an easier way to, you know, port over to Reverb. Mm. We brought over his entire inventory and also all the accordions and now he's selling one to two accordions a week to the u.s <laughs> wow really go figure go figure yeah it's uh so in the end that was a uh, that was a total that was a total win because he has good he has good inventory and if we make it visible <coughs> then he's gonna sell it that's uh that's just how it works um yeah so that that was a good one. And as far as... Let me think. I bought a... I bought a Kiesel <laughs> headless guitar. Bless you. Um, Bless you. I, I um, bought a Kiesel headless guitar from Malta, which uh, I still love. I, I, I still have it. But the, the odd thing was that the the guy didn't know it was a baritone scale and obviously because he didn't know he didn't mention it mm. so i get this guitar and i'm like well this feels weird it goes it, obviously it was it was tuned down to like drop a or something mm. uh with huge strings i was like okay that that feels odd and i was like okay let's measure it and yeah okay 27 inch and i i wrote the guy and i'm like Dude, you sent me a baritone guitar. Why did you say it's baritone guitar? It, and he said, you know, I, I, I never noticed. I never know. I just bought this. I bought this guitar. It felt fine. Turns out the guy is like almost two meters high and has like bigger hands than Steve Vai, most likely. So obviously for him, it was like, well, it's a mandolin. No, no worries. <laughs> right. <laughs> 
Yeah. So, um, so he gave, so he gave you a good deal on it or. Yeah. We, we settled for a, for a slight, uh, refund because I mean, I still, I still have the guitar, but, um, it's like the lesser used guitars. It's like, when do you need a baritone? You know? Yeah. Um, when do you need a baritone headless? <laughs> <laughs> right. That's an unusual sale. My my best find on Reverb, I think, was um, I found a couple, but my best find I think that I'm most happy about was uh, I found that '86 Kramer Beretta. Oh yeah, and that right. actually that actually came with the papers, the tag, and everything, and it was sold on Christmas no. Eve in 1986, twelve twenty four. 86 wow in canada and i was like oh that's so cool it's got the papers the matching serial number with the guitar i was like okay that's a gem for me at least so i was happy with that and the condition was what like still mint or pretty uh, good or i'd say it's you know very good very good condition. okay yeah i mean not mint or anything like but it, i mean it's got some dings and uh, some fret wear, you know, it could use a fret, a little bit of fret work, but it's still very playable and still great. So, gotcha. Yeah, I'm happy with it. So, um, what about you, Dave? Any good finds on Reverb? Anything particular that stands out? Like the high watt? I know you mentioned. Well, I really like my high watt PA hat. I just saw it on there, and it was like, oh, I gotta have that. <laughs> uh, I don't know if it was necessarily a great deal or not, but I mean, it was a fair price, and it was. Uh, uh, but that—that's the one I like. I just when I see it, it just makes me happy. <laughs> <laughs> it just looks cool. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, I I I really love reverb. I think it's a a great a great place to. First of all, it's a great alternative to everything else that you can go find stuff and. Uh, but did it originally start out as vintage gear or everything? Uh, vintage, vintage, and and second hand, obviously. Vintage and used mm. was how it started out originally, and then at some point, obviously, uh, smaller shops used it as an additional sales channel, and um, it definitely. It definitely makes sense because, I mean, in the U.S., we have kind of a similar market situation than we have in, in Europe. You know, you have a couple of big guys that are, like, fighting the battle over, you know, the highest revenue. And then you have hundreds and hundreds and if not thousands of small shops that are somehow trying to survive. Mm-hmm. And But these guys, are, these guys are not visible. These are guys. These guys are not visible at all. If I'm in, uh, that's actually a, a funny example because I tried it once. If I'm in Barcelona, in Spain, and I go to Google and I type in Fender Stratocaster, the first thing I see is Topman. Although, about 10 minutes away from the place I'm staying, there's an amazing guitar shop that has all that stuff that Topman has. But I, 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 I don't see him. I don't see him. Um, I need to know he's there. If I'm s- just some random guy looking over the internet i won't find him um and then i don't know 10 kilometers up north from barcelona i have an even bigger store that has even more stuff and matches even more what torment's inventory is but i don't see him it's all about visibility and 
uh, that's what we're good at. That's what we're good at to to make the stuff visible and be kind of a or try to be a counterweight to these big guys that have all the money, all the resources, can put millions and millions and millions into Google and ads and whatnot. Um, yeah. So. Yeah. It, it raises, it helps kind of raise all boats for everybody, you know, so everybody can compete at least to some degree with the big, big boys. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, it's like, I'm, I'm, I'm not, I'm not, con I'm not, you know, I'm not against the big boys. I mean, uh, if I look at what Toman built for himself, I, you, you gotta, you gotta just pop the hat, you know, and say, okay, I respect that because he built this thing from a, from a small store that was inside a village to a multi-million dollar business. Uh, they say that at the end of this year, he's going to break the, uh, the revenue billion. Hmm. Uh, oh. and <laughs> he's in the, he's in the clear, he's not in debt. He's, he, he, he doesn't owe anything to anyone. Right. He's, uh, well, it reminds me of the story, which I should should say you guys should check out Sweetwater.com as they're one of the sponsors of our show. Uh, but that's another amazing success story, right? Right. I mean, I, I don't know the name of the guy who started it. They were just Forbes. Were they? Sweetwater? Forbes on Sweetwater. And, and, and essentially how they uh, – I didn't, I didn't totally read it all, but uh, uh, essentially how they built their business on customer service. Yeah, which is true. That's what that's what they do. They do it very well. Um, uh, and I think I think they said they were an eight hundred million dollar last year. Amazing. So they're 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 approaching that really? billion mark too. Yeah. Yeah. So. And that's another so company that's not in debt. No. Yeah. That's the that's the thing. Um, uh, people perceive people over here perceive uh, Sweetwater as like the U.S. version of of Toman, because mm -hmm. just of the level the level of customer service um, and customer engagement that yeah. that they uh, that they have. You know, it's the it's kind of the same kind of the same concept, and also like one location, you know, and primarily focusing on on mail order. You know, like uh, shipping stuff out. Um, I mean, Toman still has a physical store, but it's it's in the middle of nowhere. You know, it's uh, if yeah. you want to if you want to go there, there you, you know what I'm talking about, Dave. Yes, I've been there. You're in the middle of nowhere. It's <laughs> a, in a village. Uh, yeah. yeah. Really. Uh, yeah. It is oh yeah, so, yeah, you're not gonna, yeah, you're not gonna go there. No. Well, and then you. If you stay, you, if you stay there, you're staying in Bomberg. Yeah, and uh, which I love, Bomberg. <laughs> yeah, it's beautiful. It's a beautiful city. It's a beautiful city. little city. Yeah. Um, I tell you though, walking on cobble cobblestone streets though, when you're drunk, it's not so good. <laughs> <laughs> you can hurt yourself. <laughs> yeah, I I cannot recommend it. That's for sure. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, I actually, uh, it reminds me of, um, I stayed in Germany, 
I was in uh, Munich. Yeah. Um, and we went to uh, went to some very like off the beaten path little pub, and we all got hammered. Yes, yeah, so I even got hammered, Dave. Um, I drank, with my- <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and when when we got out, I have some pictures of it where it was like this cobblestone road, yeah. and yeah, walking back to the hotel was fun. <laughs> Yeah. You know the, that that stuff hurts. That stuff like hurts your knees. I mean, forget about being drunk or not. But the 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 uh, just just walking on that for an extended period of time because it's uneven and your foot's stepping weird and I don't know. Maybe I'm just old, but it starts to hurt your knees. It's uh, if you if you're not used to it, you're most likely going to hurt yourself to some extent, yeah. uh, especially if you're walking for hours and hours. And I mean, we have a lot of places with cobblestone so yeah sure <laughs> the old and, and 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 what always amazed me is uh in in like bomberg you look at you look at the buildings that have been there since oh my god <laughs> so and they're crooked yeah but you look at the front of the building and it literally is leaning to the right or left or forward even mm, yeah. you're like looking at one do i want to go in there <laughs> I guess it's been standing this long. <laughs> All right, it's it's relatively safe. Yeah, it's you know. uh, it's it's true. So I, ju- I just came back from from Amsterdam um, because we have our um, main office for Europe in Amsterdam, and um, it's it's a beautiful city. Um, but they have the same thing. So sometimes you go along like the other channels, um, yeah. and then. You see some of the houses that just look so weird, and you think, uh, "Would I want to live there?" And you see people perfectly happy happy inside because apparently uh, the Dutch uh, folk they're, they're like super happy to share. Mm. You know, there's a window, like no curtains. You can see a family eating <laughs> on the table. And you're like, "Okay, uh, you don't want your privacy? That's fine. Let's look how people dine." Right or, or or other things that they're doing. <laughs> yeah, that's, you know that's funny. That's really funny. Um, I'm gonna go to uh the chat because we have a question from the super sure. chat. Uh, if I can find it, um, Dave, I'm considering this is from Modern Vintage. Dave, I'm considering a PRS J Mod 100 John Mayer's amp. Any experience or thoughts on it? It's said to be a clone and improvement on Mayer's best Dumble. Uh, to be honest, I I, uh, I don't know anything about it. Never played it. I mean, I know of it. That's about it. That's all I know. I know it's expensive. Um, oh yeah, it's very expensive. Uh, it's like six K, right? Or more? Uh, or more? Yeah, I thought. Um, uh, so I, I I can't answer that question. <laughs> Sorry. So, but if. As far as far as I'm aware, I mean, Mayer is playing what uh, a steel string, a uh, steel singer, right? Um, the Dumble steel that's stringer. Right. That's one of them that I. Sing. I think he had steel. Still, yeah, steel, steel string, string sing, singer. Sing, singer. So I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, but they're different, right? But he has many amps, so I don't. Uh, who knows? Who knows what this is modeled after? Yeah, I mean, try to ask John there. 
Yeah, he should know. You you can approach him on Instagram where he's hanging out very much and <laughs> playing guitar in this kitchen. You know, um, it's uh, although I mean, if you want an amp like this, just get an uh, just get an SW50 from Morgan. That's something that I thought was was very close to a to a dumble that I have heard once for like five minutes during a sound check. Um, and that w- that was very close to that steel stringer dumble amp. Hmm. And what which model was that? Dump, uh, Morgan SW uh, the SW fifty hmm. or SW fifty R. Um, and uh, the story uh, behind it, it as, well, that's what I know. What I what I saw um, is that at some point, some guy came in to Joe Morgan's workshop and said, I bought this M, but you know, I I think something's not right with it. And it was a dumble. And um yeah, so he fixed the the things that need to be fixed, but also was able to kinda, you know, check a little bit out what the circuitry looks like and then you know, started to build something that's similar without the quirks that the original had, mm. that which then became the SW50 or SW50R. Weird name. Yeah, he, I mean, wasn't it like that Joe always uses the initials of the customer that came in with that specific M whenever he had a new one? So SW Some, might be... Yeah, I don't know. We, we we could ask Joe, but he's probably playing video game. Yeah, <laughs> yes, exactly. It's this video game night. Yeah, there's a new version of Fortnite <laughs> or Halo or something. <laughs> Holy shit! Yeah, I I, I I still found it. I still found this this show to be like extremely entertaining. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I have to. Go. Uh, I, I, I somehow found it entertaining. I have to go back and rewatch that one. <laughs> yeah, you should. It's 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 pretty funny. Yeah, because Wait, he's so he's so he's you, so focused. You rewatch shows? I've watched uh, rewatched a few shows I, here and there. I've never looked back. No, <laughs> <laughs> I'm too scared. <laughs> wow. <laughs> really, you've never gone back and looked at one show? No. Wow. I, I get but but I, but I'm like that. I'm not the guy that takes the picture. I'm not the guy that will watch the movie twice. I'll you know see it once and that's it. Wow. So I lived it once. Oh, I see. <laughs> I yeah, moved. living living in the moment. You know. Yeah, that's cool. So yeah, yeah. I don't. I, I don't. I don't. Yeah, I don't want to see a couple of those. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, here's a question. Especially the J, the Jake Lee one. Yeah, that was yeah. I know that that was a rough one. Did you see that one, Frank? Uh, no, I think I haven't gotten to that one yet. Oh man! Yeah, the Jakey Lee one is yeah. Just yeah, that that yeah, that's yeah. You know, for the first uh, hour and a half or so, or two hours, you know, we're relatively together, and then after um, drinking, you know, a whole bottle of scotch, it goes oh. really down, it goes downhill fast. <laughs> Oh shit! Yeah, it gets it gets funny, it gets real funny. Yeah, I, and I'm like uh, I'm like the straight man the whole time, which is really, 
<laughs> this guy wasn't drinking. That so. had to be frustrating. <laughs> it was. It got rough towards the end. It definitely was. There, there are some epic moments in that one, though. <laughs> yeah, there really, are. really good moments. And I want to make sure to check that out. <laughs> I, I love when Jake, you say to Jake, "You're like, you ever hear a Pete Thorne?" He's like, you like, he's a really good player, and he's like, no, what's his problem? <laughs> You're like, you don't have a problem. <laughs> Jake was so defensive. It was just like, no, who's that guy? He's a funny dude. Um, or, or, or when, when, uh, when uh, Amir, Amir Durak is is texting me to say hi to Jake. Oh, and and. and, and by the way, Amir says hi or something like that. I don't even remember what I said exactly. He goes, wait, what, now? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's right on my phone now. <laughs> yeah, he's funny, man. Oh, that sounds fun. Yeah, I'm definitely going to make sure to check that out. Yeah, you that might sounds... have to write it in pieces. And then, and then we're, we're towards the end, I'm starting to repeat the same questions I asked earlier. <laughs> so <laughs> just slurring them more. <laughs> and then Jake's like, I think we already answered answered that one. Yeah. <laughs> oh, but so but but he he had himself together that he still remembered that. Yeah, he did. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, but he 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 had yeah, but yeah, I guess. I he, guess he was more more of a pro than I was. <laughs> he held it together. <laughs> he 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 wasn't. Yeah, you 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 were a bit worse in, for the wear than he was. Yeah, but uh, yeah, but he drank just as much. He did. <laughs> But you started earlier, though. Remember, you were at the bar waiting. Yeah, I'm sure so did he. Oh, did you? Oh, did he? Okay. Right. That's probably true. Um, all right, so we got a question from Dust Devil. He says, hey, Tone Talk, have you tried inviting Lee Jackson of Metaltronics to be on your show? Yes, I have. Um, I have. Uh, he wrote me back, and I'll be seeing him at NAMM, and Lee will be on in 2020. Oh, you finally got in touch with him. I did. I forgot to tell ah, you. So cool. He sent me his uh, his email address and said to get in touch with him. I just haven't emailed him back yet, but um, I will. That should be interesting. Yeah, I'm looking forward to having him on. Um, <laughs> yeah, I'm fucking believable here. Said the Jake Helio episode scares me. <laughs> <laughs> Glad we could be of service. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Reza, that sounds. I'm sorry, Frank. What did you say? That that sounds good. Tone talk scaring you since yeah. <laughs> since episode forty two. Marketing right there. <laughs> yeah, but we got people going. See, the Jakey e. Lee episode was the best. Thanks, Dennis Cameron. <laughs> there are a lot of people. Most people. Actually, I get a lot of people that message me and going, "That was the best one ever." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like good. That's good. It wasn't that good later that evening for me. <laughs> People like a train wreck, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> huh? Well, we we went out after that. We went we went to dinner after that. I know you went out after that. Yeah, you guys went. Oh yeah, yeah. And then I made the mistake of ordering whatever he was having, which and Jake had ordered absinthe. <laughs> Ouch! I never even had that before. I topped my half a bottle of scotch off with three absinthe drinks. Oh! Yeah, no, that was that was that was a grave error on my part. Yeah, and I mean, it's. 
I don't know if I don't know what kind of accent they they are serving in the U.S., but I once had the the real stuff in the Czech Republic. Yeah. So um, around 2006, 2007, I was uh, part of a a like modern metal band that had a a deal a record deal with a medium sized uh, metal focused label here in Europe, and we went like between 06 and 07 we we basically spent almost every weekend on the road and had a couple of longer tours around Europe as well. And one of those was in a club in the Czech Republic in the, in the town where the original Budweiser beer comes from, Budvar. Oh, see, now that's, that's the, not like Budweiser in the U.S. <laughs> exactly. Not um, like Budweiser in the U.S. <laughs> exactly. And so the, the owner of the club was kind of a weird dude that had his office like up like over like on on top of the of the club he just built it on the on the on the roof i don't know if he had a permission or something just did it full of like uh ninja swords and all kind of you know looked like a museum and then he invited the two bands that we were up to drink absent but the real stuff Mm. you know the stuff that not only gets you drunk and also makes you high (laughs) Uh Wow. I had I had the worst night in that bat bunk in the bus and the nightliner <laughs> because going over a Czech highways and that, well with that kind of uh, in that kind of state. <laughs> nah, yeah, that just shake you up real good, right? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I know. I don't know how many hours I slept, but not more than two. Or dead two. Definitely what, not. What is uh, what is absinthe taste, taste like? I've never had it. So it's like anise. Uh, it tastes like anise, uh, pretty much. Um, Black licorice. Oh, yeah. Okay. I see. Right. Yeah. Cool. Black licorice, but but you you start uh, when you start uh, tasting different brands and different kinds. They're they're very different. It's like yeah. you know. Really good ones are unbelievable, and really bad ones are unbelievably bad. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <clears throat> but there's a there, there's a sort of a some of them are very creamy and really like nice, and also the the the, the way you drink it. So if you you, you know you have uh, oh, it's hard to explain. With the whole contraption with the sugar cube and yeah. and it drips onto the sugar cube, which drips into the absinthe, and it's hard to explain unless you've seen it. But it's uh, it's a funny ritual, that's for sure. I, I have a, I have a bar that's literally the, that's at the end of my street that serves absinthe with the whole thing with the sugar cubes and everything. They'll do it, yeah. and uh, it's kind of fun. It's fun to do. It's just fun to just watch the ritual of it is 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 cool. Wow! Yeah, I'll, I'll have to try it one day. I've never had it. Interesting. It's good. Be, It'll match up, though. <laughs> be sure to yeah, be sure to you know eat something uh, decent yeah. before you know, so you don't like fall out of your shoes. <laughs> right? Yeah. We're, uh, wow. Okay. Um, so we got Reza in the chat. Is that how you say his name, Dave? Reza, Reza. Uh, yeah, Reza. Reza. Okay. Reza. 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 
Reverb is pretty amazing, he says. I have broken even and played a lot of rad amps and sent them on their way to happy people just spreading gear joy. <laughs> awesome, man. Yeah, he, he, he flips stuff on there on Reverb all the time. Yeah, we, we, we have a lot of these these guys that actually create a pretty decent side business um, by flipping by flipping gear, you know, by buying it from somewhere and then reselling it for a higher value because they just know how different markets work, how mm -hmm. you know how to f to source the right gear, um, and that yeah, it's amazing. So uh, there are a couple of guys from from Amsterdam that we were pretty close with. Um, and these guys have regular day jobs in an office, and then at five o'clock they go to the little space that they had rented, which was full of like hundreds of pedals, and they made a decent side income of like thirty to forty k a month just by flipping pedals. <laughs> it was pretty amazing, and they had a pretty good workflow as well. So one of them would have like a holder for his uh, for his smartphone, like iPhone or something, and he would use the app to take pictures, save this whole thing as a draft, and the other guy would sit at the computer and finish up the, the drafts and get the stuff live. Hmm. So they were like working like like a clock. Pretty uh, pretty amazing. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's a uh, it's a great business for a lot of people. It really is. Yeah. You know. Um, so we got a question from Cheddar Kung Pao. Uh, what's Frank's main rig like? I think I just saw a picture of it. You just posted it, didn't you? Yeah, so, um, yeah, I have, a, I have a couple of things, but my main rig at this point is completely on a pedal board, um, which is uh, a Blue Guitar Amp 1, uh, Mercury Edition. I also have the black one, um, the Iridium, mm -hmm. and then just a, a couple of pedals. Um, just this morning... I went to the custom of, customs office and got a new pedal. I know, do you know, do you guys know GFI system? Mm-hmm. I don't. Yeah. So, yeah. I've been yeah I've been using their uh, specular tempus delay and reverb. I really like that thing because of the form factor, the features, and because it it just wants 100 uh, milliamps current, which is pretty nice for a device that, device like that. And they just brought out. Pretty much the same thing, but with modulation effects, and um, yeah, so that's that's on my board. Um, yeah, that's 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 currently my my main main rig. I also have amplifiers that I bought collected over the years. I have a diesel VH4 uh, that I really like. That out that amp is um, great. Yeah, it's um it's a really cool a really cool amp. I have a a 93 dual rectifier, an old one still, uh, which only has one usable sound. Everything else sounds like shit, but that one usable sound is great. <laughs> um, yeah, it's just like that. Have you ever tried the clean channel on, on a dual rectifier from that era? Oh, it's crap. It's it's completely crap. Yeah, it sounds like useless. Yeah, yeah, absolutely no lifeless. Yeah, you you could just you know leave that out as a just make it a one channel in your face uh, amp and leave the leave the cleans to you know something else. Mm. Buy another amp. Um, yeah, but that, yeah, that's that's kind of my main rig now. I um, I play a couple of, of Kiesel uh, guitars. I have a pretty 
a pretty nice relationship with these guys. Um, they're doing they're doing good stuff. I mean, um, since they separated from uh, from the Carbon brand, mm-hmm. it has been really uh, going well for them. So that's that's pretty much my main rig. That's cool. And um, I've yeah I've had stuff over the years that that yeah went away eventually um and then i get in touch a lot with stuff because of videos that i do i don't do that many videos as i used to because the the work of reverb is pretty demanding time-wise um so but i'm not then again i'm not i don't depend on having a successful youtube channel like many others do Many others just need to grow that audience and need to, you know, focus on that and be, and you can only grow it by constant content, you know, doing a video per day or bi-daily or, um, and I, I just can't do that. I don't have the time yeah, neither do um, for it. <laughs> neither do yeah. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Yeah. There's no way I could do a video a day or a week or, yeah, I mean, once every couple of weeks is the best that we can do. Right, right, exactly. And, that, um, and that's just live, not even product. I mean, pr- product. And that's hard. I mean, and and it's and it's hard. You know, it's like when we originally we were, when we first started, weren't we doing like once a week? We tried. I think we tried. And, and then and then it was like, yeah, let's do two a month. Right. <laughs> and then sometimes I think I think to myself, maybe we should do one a month. <laughs> <laughs> It's well. It's hard to get guests. That's that's the thing. You know, it's uh, it's not easy to always have a round, a constant thing. At least for our show. I mean, yeah. For people who are doing reviews of gear pedals and stuff like that, you can always have an endless source of content. But when you're relying on having guests, um, it's it's tough. You know. Yeah, one hundred percent. Yeah. When you think about doing one show, one a month, that means twelve guests a year. So you're like, oh, that's easier. That's a lot easier than 24 guests. <laughs> it's true. It's true. But it's harder to grow the channel, like you said, Frank. I mean, yeah. You, yeah. You, you can't. That's why these guys are putting out videos every day. I mean, Heading, Heading has videos at least every other day. Yeah. Well, he's got to buy more camera gear. <laughs> yeah. Oh my God! This guy is—he's—he's uh, <laughs> he's so he's so crazy. He's so crazy. I—I th- I think the first time I actually met him in person uh, and actually went to see his his uh, setup, uh, I was still working for Positive Grid, and he—we wanted to do something with the with the bias head that came out at around that time, mm-hmm. and um, I was—I went to his place and I was like. What the hell? This guy has I don't know, twenty five to thirty thousand euros uh, of camera gear and stands and this and and all the all the gimmicks. Uh, yeah. yeah. I was like, wow. And I mean, sure, if you want to bring the quality um, and the quantity, you you know you need stuff that works and you need stuff that's reliable and you need to know how stuff's going to look like beforehand so that you can have an efficient workflow it's just you know he's thinking like someone who would do a professional production mm-hmm. and 
That's why he's good at it. The, 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 if you ever want to really piss him off, you just go, well, you know, I, I think I'm just going to film it on an iPhone. Oh. <laughs> sometimes, that, sometimes I wonder um, if it all matters how it's filmed. If the content is still there, uh, you know, if if someone shoots a a gorilla style video with an iPhone and it sounds good and 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 it sometimes I find a lot of people like that, you know, and uh, because it's whenever you put a video out, it's always something. It's it's oh, I wish they hadn't used effects. Oh, I wish they used effects. Oh, I wish they would have used a 57. Oh, I wish they wouldn't have used a 57. Mm. I, I wish there was a room mic. I wish, I mean, it's just like, and the one that I get the most is, I just want to hear what it sounds like in the room. Yeah. Fine, I'll shoot them all with an iPhone. <laughs> you <Yeah>. guys. <laughs> it's a lot easier I mean, for us. <laughs> and actually, yeah, I mean, now with iPhone 11s, uh, man, you can shoot that in the dark, pretty much. It's true, <laughs> and it looks good. Yeah, it's a, it's 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 funny that you that that you say that. I mean, um, I I kind of think the same way. And even if if somebody would do what you you, you just said, it's like somebody uses the mic that everybody wants that he uses, and he uses a room mic, and then. Additionally, he does that, 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 and he, you know, he checks all the ten boxes. Yeah. Um, then he's eventually going to compress that into YouTube, into yeah. a format that is compressed, and where there will be some kind of loss with every kind of with every kind of compression. So, um, yeah, to me, it's funny that you have a lot of guys that do all this, uh, you know, crazy. Uh, production, um, and then it goes it goes to YouTube. I think a lot of these guys do it because it makes them happy. I think it makes handing. Yeah, happy. yeah, mm. yeah. Of course it does. Of course it does. And I and I, and I can understand that too. Yeah. Um, but when you when you work you know hard on something that comes out and then someone someone you know there's always someone that's going to be just it's too dark, it's too bright, it's too this, it's too that. Oh yeah, well let's hear your video. <laughs> oh, I know. It's, yeah, hear it's your um, video, please. Yeah, um, that, but you, you're always you're always going to be facing keyboard warriors. That's uh, yeah. it's just it's just a fact. What whatever you do, because it's such an easy thing to go ahead under a you know unreal fake name and just write something and click the thumbs down button and like yo, I stick that to the guy. <laughs> and 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 you're like, no, you didn't, and you did you didn't show anything. You just only showed how incompetent you are because you know you're not doing anything mm-hmm. other than sitting in front of your keyboard, hitting buttons, and right. using your mouse <laughs> down in your mom's basement. There, there's a lot of that. There's definitely a yeah. lot. Of, definitely a lot of that. Um, Here's an interesting question, just to kind of throw us off a completely different path. Uh, okay. Irons 18, question for all three. What is the most underrated 80s guitar tone? Oh. Oh, boy. Underrated. You know, you know whose tone I really liked? 
Aldo Nova. Oh, oh yeah. yeah, that was great. Sure. Yeah. Uh, I um, guess that would be underrated. That would be underrated, uh, right? Uh, yeah. I'm gonna go. Good. I'm gonna go with uh, uh, Ty Tabor, King's X. Mm. I was thinking that myself. Yeah. <laughs> that. Uh, which record? Um. Uh, Gretchen goes to Nebraska and Darkman. Perfect. That's, <laughs> that's exactly what I would have said. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I mean, the, the the thing is that uh, he recorded these albums with a lap series. Mm-hmm. I think it was an L five. Yeah. So it was it, well, it it wasn't a tube amp, you know, it was a, a solid state amp, um, and it wasn't even you know, kind of designed for that kind of tones, but he made it, you know, he, he kind of owned it um, and made it his own, uh, which is uh, fun. I mean, B.B. King was playing Lab Series M's, so they yeah. have, you have a reference, King's X, B.B. King. <laughs> you know, that was, that was a great sound with, and also didn't he use the Fender Elite preamp or right. something out of the Fender Elite guitar or something? Didn't he have it in a separate box or something? Yeah, so... And- some weird thing like that. I can't remember exactly. Yeah. So his. Um, so yeah, he had the Elite Strat, which had the preamps and the, like the active electronics yeah. and everything in there. Um, and then at some point he switched to different guitars. I think he was a Yamaha endorser. He was a Zion endorser at some point. Yeah. But um, he obviously didn't want to get that circuitry built out of the Strat and into one of those guitars because he might swap guitars at any time. So what he did was he had. Uh, a one space rack unit designed where he built in both yeah. of those uh, preamps and then he just used them whenever he needed them and they were in front of every setup he had a he had a dual or like a rack rectifier setup at, at some point then he was playing these weird digital yamaha amps at some point mm-hmm. you know the ones with the motor yep. parts mm-hmm. um and the funny thing is, whatever he played, he always sounds like himself. It's like this guy just has, you know, uh, oh, one man. of the amazing tones uh, in his fingers. I'm a, I'm a huge fan of these guys. Uh, actually, these guys, these guys were the reason I started taking guitar way more seriously than I did up to that point. So I listened. I, I heard. Yeah, I think it was the Darkman record. I was like, holy shit! How? How does the guy sound like this? How is that possible? Mm-hmm. And I was like, okay, I gotta, I gotta get into this. I gotta, I gotta practice more. I gotta play more. I gotta find out how that tone works. You know. Hmm. That's cool. Yeah, so it's I, a great band. All right. I have to be honest. I have not listened to King's X. Ever? Oh, you should. Ever. You really? should. I swear, I've never. I don't think I've ever heard one song from King's X. Okay, well, you gotta go. You get the the Gretchen goes to Nebraska record. Okay, and yeah. then the Dogman record. Yeah, I'm gonna get them as soon as we get off. I'll, Just I'll, get them. Yeah, I'll download. But um, pr- production wise, the Dogman record is still a reference to a lot of a lot of people when it comes to mixing and mastering. Although right. it's such an old record. I think it's from '94 or something. Yeah. Um, and uh, and they weren't. They were actually one of the first bands 
to use lower tunings in for that type of music. So it was in a lot of cases it was it was well at least drop D, but then also like drop uh drop C uh drops C flat and stuff like that. For some of the songs, they really chewed down um, two or three half steps. Hmm. Yeah, that's certainly unusual back then. Yeah. That's cool. I'll have to check yeah. them out. Always into new music. Love it. New old music. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, uh, it's quite 100%. old. Yeah. Um, here's a good question. Um I'm curious about this too. I think we talked about it with uh, James Brown when he was on, but Cecil Music says, Dave, are the PV VTMs any good in your opinion? Are the little dip switches gimmicky or do they really work? I have one sitting on my shelf over here, hmm. uh, which I bought on a whim because it was cheap. The, uh, the PV VTM essentially was, you know, they started off with the Butcher Amp, uh, that they had, which was kind of a JSM 800. Uh, yeah. And then they had their hands in uh, Mark Ferrari's Jose mod. Um, and they incorporated, if you set the dip switches just right and know what you're doing, it's almost a Jose mod, like verbatim almost. Um, but you got to know what switches to switch. And really, I don't even know what's, I have to look every time I want want to set it up right but uh uh i think that it has a little more low end than would be there normally though too so i mean a couple tweaks and it would be pretty perfect the loop's kind of crappy but in it but the, at least though they made the head box indestructible on those things if you ever look at those they're super thick and i think they're made of it feels like they're made of rock <laughs> The head box, the head box itself, is heavier than the actual amplifier. No. Oh yeah. Oh, shit. Yeah. The head, literally the box. I have it empty sitting over here because the amp's on the shelf, and literally you pick it up and you're like, I can't believe it. The amp's lighter. <laughs> Holy shit. Yeah. But I mean, like, yeah, you could, you could have dumped that out of back of a truck on a freeway, and it would just tumble down the road. It'd be fine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they built stuff like tanks. They did. Yeah, that's for sure. Yeah, which is which is so different from 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 today, right? Um, I have the impression that um, every everything is becoming lighter and smaller and and whatnot, and and people, you know, apparently like to buy like mini versions of um, established amp models. So, um, yeah, I don't know, but uh, what do you guys think? I've, I've been pondering on that question, um, especially in the past days, because of a conversation I had. What do you think is the future of, of tube amps, especially the ones, you know, with, uh, with big uh, tra transformers in them and lots of tubes? Well, I mean, you, you know, I think... Uh, it seems, uh, although, you know, modeling, uh, had made a dent, uh, it almost seems like some people are getting rid of their modelers now and going back to an amp. Yeah. Uh, at least I'm seeing a trend that's a little bit, 
I mean, there's still a lot of modelers out there, but I see a trend sort of happening, start, starting to happen. And when I, recently I was at a festival show, a uh, rock festival show that I was working at. And, uh, and I looked around, and there, on, at least on the main stage with all the, the bands, there was not one modeler anywhere. It was all amps. And I'm like, oh, wow, look at this. Not one. Hmm. At least on that day. Yeah, that's great. That's, I was that's, like, this is great. <laughs> but smaller amps are selling, though. I mean, you sold that JJ Junior, like hotcakes, right? Sure, sure. Yeah, they're still still selling, still back order. Wow. Uh, um. Yeah, people want, um, you know, but but we kind of broke the mold. There's so there's a lot of companies that don't sell uh, hundred watt amps anymore, but we do. We sell a lot of them. And, which is uh, amazing. I mean, which, and I think we're the only company selling them. Um, I get the same impression. Yeah. And uh, so you know, some people said, "Oh, you'll never sell the hundred watt amp." So yeah, well, <laughs> watch <laughs> me. Not, yeah, watch <laughs> us. Uh, and you know, a lot of people, even even though our master volumes are really good, so so when it's down low, it still sounds good. So you can play it in a bedroom, and it's still a hundred watt amp. But there is a certain um, beefiness to the power section, you know, that there you go. That, that, that is just, it sounds bigger. It's a little bit more heft and weight to it, even down low. Mm. Yeah, that's yeah. true. 100%. Yeah, it's, um, it's, uh, it's kind of fun. I, I kind of watched the same thing happening that you described with, uh, with any kind of modeling device, especially the guys that, you know, got themselves a Kemper or an Axifax or something mm -hmm. like that. So uh, these guys, at some point, they go into a guitar store because they need strings or some other kind of shit. And then they walk by one of the amp testing rooms and they're like, oh, that sounds great. I'm going to check that out. I'm going to check out what's going in there, uh, what's going on there. And then they see some guy like pushing a, I don't know, a 5150 or something like that. And then he's like, oh, yeah. I have to, I'm, I'm using that thing in my XFX. And then they go in there and they check it out themselves and we're like, oh no. Oh, so that's how that sounds in, like, in the real life, in the real world. And then, yeah, this kind of process starts to happen. And they go like, yeah. maybe, you know, just because it feels better and, and you know, there's more beef to it, mm -hmm. I'm going to go, I'm going to go and try a, and try a relamp. So, uh, yeah, so it's a, it's a, it's interesting. I've had that happen a lot. People use modelers for a while, and they're like, yeah, you know, they think they're getting a really good sound, and then they try, just like you said, they try the real thing, and they're like, oh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> I've had them come in here with it, you know, and they're using my model in them in whatever, and and they and they just a b and they're like, oh shit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, when you model, when you have compare the uh, the two together, yeah, yeah it's gonna it's no comparison. Yeah, it normally it it normally applies to especially the younger generation. So there's an entire generation of guitar players that have never ever played a real amplifier because yeah. the stuff was just there and they considered it normal to have like some kind of a floorboard or you know some rack kind of thing going on or some of them have even never played some kind of hardware because you know 
all the plugins that are out there with all the, these different amps. Mm -hmm. Some of them are even free. So you know, yeah. why would you if you if you just play at home and you have a decent setup and computer, which most people have, um, you know, why bother buying an amp if you're just playing at home? Um, yeah. But then, yeah, they you know, they what? see. Huh? Go ahead. Sorry. And then, and then you know, they're ha they're happy with it, and then they go into a store, they check out the real thing, and then they're like, "Oh wow, that's how that sounds like." And then they also, some of them, I've I've seen it with with some of them, and from my time in retail, that they're like, "I don't play the same over a real amp. It it I feel like my abilities just decreased by thirty percent, which has to do with well, the the not necessarily the conversion, but to me, there's always that kind of compression that applies to these the, to these things. Yeah. I don't know if it has to do with bringing the level up sufficiently. I'm I'm not sure. Uh, I've noticed that with the with the XFX the most, uh, especially you know, still with the XFX too. I was like, okay, that feels weird. It feels like there's some kind of compression applied. Maybe it was just me. I'm not sure. Yeah. And then if you really want to scare a kid, try to plug them into a, uh, like an old Plexi Marshall. <laughs> yeah, turn it, brutal. turn it up for them. And then try to control and it. Now try to play. You're, you're, <laughs> then your abilities just, just went down the tube more. You know? Yeah. <laughs> because that, that's a whole nother way of playing. And, uh, yeah. And um, and you have to control the wild beast, you know. Yeah. Uh, but um, but also, I never kind of understood, you know. Uh, you were saying you're playing metal bands and stuff, and and you know, there's a certain with a live cabinet that's at a decent volume, uh, meaning like pushing some air, at you know. You just get the. It's brutal. So it has this brutal sound, you know, and mm. and that that inspires you as a musician to play a different way or be more aggressive and how it's reacting. And it, it, I, I never quite understood the concept of metal done with all in ears with oh. modelers. Yeah. And the funny thing, the, you know, because you're not you're not. There's no, you're not getting, you know, with a, with an amp. If you hit it light, it's kind of light, and if you smack it, it barks at you, and 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 that's the aggression of metal, isn't it? I mean, that's it's 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 it, it, or it used to be, mm -hmm. right? Yeah, um, yeah. You know, and 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 so I don't, I don't, I, I don't think I wouldn't be very happy, <laughs> you know. It's not that. A modeler can't sound decent, or it can't sound good, or, or but I wouldn't be happy. I, I mean, maybe that's because I've always played amps. It's um, I think uh, especially with metal, uh, it's a it's a convenience uh, thing. Um, so I've been playing in a couple of metal bands, uh, mm -hmm. or stepping in for a, for a few guys as well over the years. Uh, replacing guitar players on tours, etc., cetera, etc., cetera. and um, so and a few of them also played through some kind of modeling device, and then they had in ears, and there was like no stage monitor and nothing, and mm -hmm. every time there was a stage monitor, 
and although I had in-ears, I wanted to get a feedback from the stage monitor because there is something happening. Yeah. I'm not even talking about string feedback and like weird noise. I'm talking about the way your guitar, you know, interacts with, with a volume. speaker and with the yeah. volume. And um, but for metal bands, it's a it's a thing of of convenience. Uh, there's this weird saying out there: it's like there's no money in jazz. Well, yeah. there's even less money in metal. Yeah. You know, yeah. this is if if you look at the pie, the big pie of music, metal is like. You know the the smallest yeah. the smallest of them all, and then in the past ten years it has been like so divided into like all these stupid categories that nobody gives a shit about. It's like okay, we're doing progressive metal, and then we're doing progressive this and that, and then we do gent, and we're doing this, and, and it's like you know this is supposed to bring people together and not divide them into like different uh, factions, communities, and lifestyle. Uh, lifestyle is attached to it as well and and if you listen to that you're like you're this and you know you think this way and it's so stupid mm. so uh, all these metal bands they need to travel as light as possible yeah. because they, they don't get paid or they get paid you know the expenses but they have a chance to play with maybe a bigger band you know and that's gonna maybe roll some things uh, for them um <sighs> It's, and um, I understand that. I mean, yeah. obviously, but, but it's a lot less. It's a lot less fun. It's. I mean, to me, to me, playing with an in ear and no stage monitor, that's like, uh, yeah. I don't even want to describe how it how it how it feels. It's just disconnected. It's disconnected. It's like you know, uh, a friend of mine described that having sex with a bucket on your head. You can't do it, but it's not fun. <laughs> I like that. Yeah, I do. Like yeah, that. it's a, <laughs> it's a, it's a, it's a weird kind of disconnected uh, feeling. And every time I hear somebody, uh, hear somebody saying, um, "It's so great because you know you can move freely on stage," and it's like, yeah, exactly, because you're connected to absolutely nothing, mm. and you're always going to have the same sound no matter what. No matter how hard you hit the string, how you know it's nah, it's not for me. Yeah. Well, isn't Metallica all in ear and axe effects? I think so. Yeah, and you know, and I you'd be blatantly honest. Ever since they made that switch, I think they've sounded horrible. <laughs> mm. I mean, I would imagine so. Yeah. It's not. I mean, you can look at older videos and newer videos and just listen to them. I mean, just it's, it's not the same. It's not the same. But but hey, and for them, it's not a convenient. Like, what what are they what are they saving money by? They're saving money on their shipping. Yeah. But but the, the, but I, that's always sort of funny too because I, I deal with a lot of these bands and then they oh yeah we're saving money on the shipping and this and that and then they build uh you know. This huge rack, the power amp, and a backup system, and uh, you know two or three Axe effectses, and and <laughs> all the wirelesses, and it's in this big tall rack. And I go, is that really saving saving you know that much in the shipping? You know, right, right. right. I mean, yeah. you could pair down your rig to a half stack. Mm-hmm. 
And if you want to go smaller, you know what I mean? <laughs> like you can, you know, it's not, that's not too bad. I mean, honestly, you could do it with a 212 and a, and a head. That's getting pretty small, you know? Yeah. And you, and you just mic it up and you're done. Yeah. Yeah. 100%. But I, I guess it's about, um, uh, it's, it's, yeah, again, it's, it's convenient for the guy who has to handle all that stuff. Yeah. You know, it's more convenient for these guys. You need less guys to carry all that shit around. Um, you most likely, sort uh, of. yeah, sort of, exactly. Um, and you don't need to worry about maintenance because you switch it on. It's basically a computer. It sounds the same every night, blah, blah, blah. It's all that, it's all that kind of stuff. What I found extremely annoying was that I had a conversation with Peter from Diesel. Mm-hmm. Um, and so Hatfield had always played VH4s, uh, also live, um, and maybe some alternative uh, stuff, but they were always in, in uh, they always had a, like, a great connection. And at some point, their technician called up Peter and said, well, we just switched to the XFX and we somehow, we, we cannot get the sound right so could you help us <laughs> could you help us you know uh make our x effects sound yeah. more like your vh4 yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right <laughs> and like yeah they really no. asked you that yeah and, and he said yeah they really asked me that and I, well i i told him you know to go fuck themselves <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's it's, yeah that's crazy um here, switching gears completely. Um, unfucking believable has another great question, um, mm-hmm. and this is a good question, actually, serious question. What steps has Reverb taken against chipsons or fakes? Um, oh, right, yeah. So um, we actually have a really great uh, listings team uh, in Chicago in the headquarters, but also in Amsterdam, and these guys. Uh, so we have certain we have certain mechanisms um, to give us red flags on on certain listings. Um, for example, uh, there was one case where a guy would uh, sell. I think it was like this extremely uh, extremely expensive music man John Petrucci guitar that, that costed like twenty k or something because it has like diamonds in them, <laughs> like totally weird. But so. There was basically a guy who wanted to sell this thing, and he put up pictures, but he blacked out certain parts. Every time there was the serial number and, I don't know, it's like important parts he blacked out, mm. which, yeah, made it look like he doesn't have the guitar and he stole the pictures from somewhere and he just wanted to, you know, uh, cash in the money or maybe he would have bought the guitar from that respective dealer and then, you know, uh, sold it for a higher value, whatever. But our systems uh, send us red flags that here something is wrong with these images, and we also have mechanisms and algorithms to uh, check stuff that doesn't add up. Um, so we are always very careful um, and very thorough with these kind of with these kind of checks, especially when it comes to fake uh, to fake guitars, and then usually. A lot of these fake guitars are sold by first-time sellers, so that's another thing that that we take into consideration. When that, so there's a guy who has never sold on Reverb, and suddenly he comes up and he has 
I don't know how many Gibsons for insanely low prices. Another red flag. So there are a couple of things to prevent these things from happening. Um, and we will be we will be successful in in the majority of cases. And but obviously we cannot. You know there are guys that that are just really clever and intelligent and go about this. So uh, we always encourage uh, every buyer, especially if somebody doesn't have a record, uh, like feedback on on reverb, um, to you know really pay attention. And if something smells or looks fishy, then you know we have a we have a flag um, below every listing to like, hey, can you? Can you look into this? This looks weird. I'm interested in this, but I'm not 100% sure if that's legit. Right. So we have a couple of things in place to prevent uh, people from buying, you know, Gibson Les Paul Customs for $400. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, if there's plenty of that stuff being sold on online anyway, but... I haven't really come across a lot of fake stuff on Reverb, at least myself. But no, it's not. It's not that big of an of an of an issue because we we try our best to, you know, give everybody a good experience, and that includes these security mechanisms um, to make sure that you know these guys don't have a chance uh, selling that stuff. Um, and they will eventually do that on you know AliExpress or Alibaba, what these. Mm funky Chinese marketplaces are called. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. Oh, um, Cecil Music says, uh, Akira Takasaki of loudness, underrated killer tone. Yes. I agree with that. Loudness ring. That rings a bell. Japanese uh, heavy metal band uh, in the 80s. Right. A huge Japan. He was the Eddie Van Halen of Japan, basically. Oh, wow. Okay. Uh, very good. Yeah, and they were from the in the eighties. I mean, what big festival do they play in the in the U.S.? Do you remember, Dave? Well, they they uh, when in the eighties didn't they play like some big festival in the eighties? Uh, uh, um, don't remember. I just I saw it on online, uh, but I can't remember. But they 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 had opened up for. Um, the eighties, they had opened up. Uh, which tour was that? Um, they opened up for Motley Crue hmm. in the eighties. In uh, Doctor Feelgood tour, maybe or something. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. Um, Christo P, happy birthday from the other si other day, Dave. Cheers from Australia. Um, Josh Lamas. Uh, hey guys, is it worth getting an SDE three thousand rack unit or just settling for a DD five hundred? How close is the vintage digital patch to the real thing? Dave, Pretty close. Know. Pretty close. Um, and it's a lot more convenient, and it's MIDI. <laughs> so depends. It depends on what your needs are and what you want to do. I mean, I like old gear too, so. Um, but it's a lot. It's pretty convenient to have the DD500. Yeah, it sounds. Yeah, great. I, but I, but I, but I totally understand the question um, because I had, 
so on those on those tours with the uh, with the metal band, yeah. I was playing the I was playing the VH4 and I had two Roland SDE one thousands in yeah. my rack. Yeah, um, two of them. Yeah, they, I guess because I mean, I mean they were like some of the first like digital delays, but because of because of the converters being like I don't know ten bit or something, they sounded pretty analog. Um, yeah. And well, I just bought them because Ty Tabor had them, and then I was happy with them anyway. So <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, Dave, Dave, you got what's that, Dave? There's a lot of great old gear you like that. that- Sounds amazing. You have several of those SDE three thousands, right? Oh yeah, uh-huh. yeah. Also, the reverb that they made in that series too, SRV two thousand. Right. Yeah. That sound. That sounded amazing. Some of the plate and halls in there are just crisp and cool and just really great. Yeah. Yeah. The funny thing is, I've said this before to a lot of people: is um, all those old things, all the old lexicons and, and the old the Roland processors and old Korg, they all sounded amazing. But that's because the even though they were inferior converters, the analog circuitry that was actually around those inferior converters was so much better than anything they use today. Right. Today it's, it's disposable, sort of what you were sort of talking about in some respects, uh, kind of, uh, you know, it's like great converters and great technology now, but then they, the, the art of the audio signal path has been lost. Except yeah. it's, you know, high-end recording gear, but, uh, yeah, it's just... Yeah, they, it's, it's fun. They kind of they, they replaced that... Uh, totally, like kind of flip flopped the whole thing. They, now they're like, this thing has, you know, the the best converters that you can buy on the market, blah blah. But everything else is, is like, yeah, why does it yeah, sound like okay? Shit, <laughs> what? Yeah, why does it sound like shit? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I can plug in this old delay from 1982, and it sounds amazing. <laughs> yeah, that's why. That's why it's still in in a lot of studio racks, you know, as as like in the side rack because yeah. you know either these guys have uh, plugins that work well for them and you know that that sound okay or they have a side rack and then they just integrate these like lexicon reverbs yeah some of these some of these old clunky machines there they sound pretty real uh pretty pretty great mm-hmm. yeah i agree I agree by the way dave i don't know if i told you but the uh the ada mp1 preamp um, yeah, that was given to me. The guy can't fix it. Why? He said uh, it was actually too technical. From whatever he was telling me, he basically said that there was something wrong internally that kept re- kept rebooting, and he could it wouldn't bring up the program or something like that, and uh-huh. the, something with a real I don't know whatever he was saying. So he was like, he he fixed the jacks for me, and I was like, well, I'll just. I'll just come back and pick it up. He basically said he could fix it. This is the thing. He said he could fix it, but it was going to cost more than it was worth. Right. So I was like, well, I'm not. He was like, I think I can fix it for about three fifty. dollars So it's like a, it's like a software uh, issue? You know, I, I honestly, I didn't understand what he was telling me. He was really talking around, over my head about what, what was wrong yeah, but, with it. 
Didn't you get it for free? I did get it for free. I mean, three hundred. I mean, you'd only have three hundred and fifty dollars into it. I don't know. You know, uh, I, what do those go for used? I don't even know. About three fifty, four hundred bucks. Yeah. So, but like, I mean, oh. if it's look, if it's a if it's a software uh, issue, um, what you could do, I mean, the the e, the EEPROM, all those things is pretty accessible, and you can change it yourself. So, um, if you find a new EEPROM, maybe with an an updated uh, firmware version, mm. that could help. And these EEPROMs are not normally they go for like I don't know fifty sixty bucks. Hmm. And you can change these yourself. That's it's it's as easy as changing a light bulb, pretty much. Interesting. All right. Well, it's not a bad idea, Dave. Maybe, I I mean I told him that I was going to just come pick it up, but maybe I should just tell him. That, I don't know. I mean, do you think it's worth it to have it fixed? Uh, it depends on how bad you want it. Well, I, mean, I don't think 50 is out of the question. I mean, it's it's like you got it for free, so I mean, then you'd be basically buying the unit for 350, right? Uh, as long as he can fix it for that. Well, that's the question. Uh, yeah, yeah. I don't want it to be an ever round, you know, ever cycle, a cycle of, oh, it's fucked up now, and I just spent another three, you know, like it's a money pit. So, or you just go buy one. Well, that's the thing. Yeah, I can just go to go to yeah. re, go to reverb dot com and buy one. Go to reverb dot com and buy one. <laughs> Boom. Here's a uh, here, here's another funny thing that I've that I've that I've noticed. People are pretty uh, split up into camps when it comes to rack gear. It's so yeah. uh, I find it I find it to be super funny because there's like fifty percent of of the people are going to be like, no, leave me alone with rack gear. You know who who wants that's so eighties. And then you have other people that you know, find it to be convenient uh, enough. I don't know what 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 is your you guys what do you guys think? Uh, does rack here have a? It's gonna go and you know relive or? <laughs> I think it's a good question. Yeah. Uh, I, I mean, with with stuff on the market like uh, you know the Axe Effects, which can be used as a as a processor, it doesn't necessarily have to use amp modeling in it. Uh, with stuff, even even a helix rack could be used that way. Um, I don't know. There's a lot to be said. You know, the funny thing is, we keep bringing up should we should we ever make a guitar preamp? You know, a tube okay. guitar preamp. Should we ever make that? And there's so many people using racks now with their their axe effects and things. It's it's not that foreign to have a rack now. Mm-hmm. And in a lot of respects, back in the late 80s when everything was in a rack it was in a very um easy to move well sort of easy to move easy to plug in easy to get on and off stage because you had a, a controller board that you probably plugged in set on top of your rack right, right? and then it's just speaker cables to the cab sure and, and it rolls that's quicker quicker than having two amps and a pedal board it's it, it right. was it, it was it, it was actually a better concept. Um, so I don't know. I'd like to make a guitar preamp. That would be fun. Yeah, right. I mean, uh, I mean, with the with the synergy stuff being out there, which is yeah. a 
essentially like, something you would put yeah, into one right. of those yeah. racks. Yeah. Yeah. It would be cool to have a like a Friedman branded though all in one with IRs built in tube all right. yeah. That would be fun. Yeah, you could you could do that and then you could, you know, one if if you wanted to play the I, you just, you know, plug it in, XLR jack um with an IR and or if you wanted to go I, I see a lot of people go in hybrid these days. So they have something that, that's that feeds to the to the PA system straight away. Mm-hmm. Um but then also they use a cabinet because they just want that, you know moving yeah. air on stage. Yeah. Is that what you do with amp one? Um cabinet? Depends depends on, on on the location. So we recently played a show and we opened up for uh, a band called 10CC. Maybe you know 10CC that had a couple of hits in the 80s yeah, I and, so. I yeah, and 90s. Mm. And it was a pretty big venue and the guy said, you know, everything here is pretty much set up for DI. But if you want to have a stage volume through your cab, you can do that. So... No, I just I just use a um, uh, torpedo cap M mm-hmm. with the with the output. I just patched it through and then to my cab and sent it to him, and and he was happy. For the smaller clubs, I don't see that happening because the PA systems are crap. So mm-hmm. I'd always prefer like you know cranking up cranking up the amp and play the cabinet. Mm-hmm. Um, just makes just makes more sense. Um, with the Iridium, though, um, it's a bit different. I've only been playing DI with uh, with that heavier amp because I I haven't found the right cap yet for it. Um, I was I was at I was actually at Musik Productive a couple of weeks ago um, to do some testing. Uh, your esteemed two by twelve was uh, is still in my top three, so I might yeah, I might great. choose. Yeah, I might choose one of those. <laughs> those are nice. I know a guy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's funny. Hey, you know a guy. A couple guys. <laughs> a couple of guys, yeah. Right, right. <laughs> That's funny. Um, Aaron Cram says, Tame Down Metal Sucks. I agree. Tame Down Metal Sucks? Yeah, right. It's, 100%. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, BMO says he'd like to hear me do a pick slide right now. <laughs> Sorry, I'm not plugged in. Um, that's 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 so that's such a such a funny request, <laughs> right? It's like, come on, do it, do it now. Do a pick slide. <laughs> um, let's see. Hey Dave, Sean Tubbs needs a new pedal board. See his latest video. Let's convince him to come out for Nam and build him a new board. I'll pitch in some. That was from El. Yeah, Scott I, I, I I answered him further down. I go. Sounds like a plan. <laughs> <laughs> I I didn't see that video yet. Sean is good. Uh, I did. I, 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 I saw. I didn't watch it yet, but I saw. I saw it. Uh, I'll have to reach out. So. Oh, if you want to hear a great sounding band, go see Government Mule. Oh yeah. Oh, absolutely. Oh yeah. One hundred percent. Yeah. Uh, I've seen them. I've seen them live here in in Germany. They're amazing. They are amazing. 
Um, I and th- they're not afraid of stage volume. Oh yeah, <laughs> Warren Haynes, man, that guy can play. Um, although it's too bad that that what was the name of their bass player, Woody, something that the bass player who passed away from that band, he was really good. Yeah, but now they got Jurgen. <laughs> Jurgen's fantastic. Where's he from? Uh, Jurgen is Pete, Pete Thorne's buddy and friend, and oh. Jurgen is just a monster bass player. He loves playing through like, um, you know, like 200 watt marshals with bass, you know, <laughs> just mean and, and growling. and Nice. Uh, wow. So he's that guy. Lemmy style. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. So he does that with Government Mule. So. They're a great band. Yeah. Some of their early albums are just really great. And um, Cecil Music asked, does Warren still use a uh, Saldano? I think he does. I think so. I think, yeah, I think I saw a a Rick rundown not that long ago where it was still a Saldano. Yeah, I think. Uh I think that's still the case. Yeah, I think so. And then I I also think that he played, there's Saldano and he might have another amp there, like a Diaz or something like that. Yeah, I think so. If I remember correctly. Um... Metal Madness 66. It was 1985 that Na- Loudness opened up for the cr- for crew on the Theater of Pain tour. Uh-huh. I saw. I, I, I saw them in Philly. I saw it. What's that? I saw it. You know the funny the funny thing is, as a kid, I saw all these concerts, and 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 now I've worked for almost all of them. It's kind of a trip. To that's think. amazing. That's amazing, right? It's kind. Of, it's kind of. It's kind of when you think about it, you're like, wow. I mean, I, I had I had Akira in my in my shop. We we did. He plays our my B one hundred amps, and uh, and he's got two of them. And uh, he was in here. He did a video for us, and just to sit sit here watching him um, just noodle around on the guitar. You're just like, oh yeah, mm-hmm. <laughs> wow, <laughs> just. Uh, just aggressive, he, and he he would play all the songs that I knew, you know, like all bits and pieces of all these songs, and it was just like, oh yeah, listen to that. <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah, he said, and you said he was like the 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 Eddie Van Halen of Japan, right? Yeah, he was known as sort of the Eddie Van Halen of Japan. Yeah, he's right. Like, was the big guitar hero for Japan. Hmm. Wow. Does he still play your amp, the BE one hundred? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, Cecil, that was your question. Um, okay, so Stephen Douglas says best eighty tones. Every pl- every player that played through Michael Wagner's MP1 Macintosh rig, Nuno, Brava, <laughs> Hill, Sabo. Hmm. Okay. See, I'm gonna go on and live here. Say, I say, I'm I'm not the hugest fan of the ADA. Uh, uh, I, I, that wasn't for me. Uh, I find it a bit, even those guys you just mentioned, I, I can hear it in all of those things, you know, mm. that, that, well, it was the same rig, <laughs> like Wagner's rig. Um, but no, it was a little, it's hard to explain. It's a little less than organic. Yeah. It's like Ty Tabor, great sound. You know Eddie Van Halen, of course, obviously, the the one that everyone chased for 
ever. Uh, you know, uh, uh, loudness. Uh, Warren D. Martini. Uh, oh right, yeah. Uh, some of the Lynch records, you know, the Dawkins records. Uh, not all of them. Um, you know, all these guys had kind of really recognizable tones. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, then there's a lot of great 80s guitar players that just didn't have real recognizable tones, like no signature tones. Yeah, yeah I, 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 I 100% agree. There are some guys that just stand out because they, uh, well, not only could they and can they play um and they have like you know that sort of attitude with mm-hmm. their playing but mm-hmm. also they found the right tools to like you know yeah. magnify that bring it out yeah. and that's some um, uh, and then some and of them lost rare. It. yeah yeah some exactly. of them that amazing tone that we all love they don't hate they hate now and they don't want it anymore but uh you know yeah, it's uh, it's uh, yeah, it's it's kind of it's kind of kind of sad uh, to to see that everything becomes very um, very sort of the same. Yeah, uh, with all these guys, you know, playing uh, playing the same stuff. I mean, um, so we have this uh, annual uh, technical metal festival or gent festival here in Cologne, which is a cool festival. It's a great community and it's, um, it's fun to be there and it's fun to hang out. And, but the thing is that all of these, pretty much 80% of these bands, they play either an Axe FX or a Kemper or some kind of other digital stuff. And everything's controlled through a laptop and the laptop does other patch changes for them. And the laptop controls the light, the light show and the laptop, also, uh, you know, brings them, you know, the backing tracks that they have because the production is so massive. Yeah. And I kind of think that's just too much technology. Um, and I've seen some of these guys' systems fail and they are not able to come up with a good show without that stuff. Yeah. And for me, that would be an absolute nightmare. Being on stage is like, we cannot play because our computer just failed. We have, we have, we have a blue screen issue. <laughs> we can't, yeah, you know, yeah, we, yeah. We, we can't play. And I think, I mean, relying on technology um, to some extent, fine, absolutely fine with me. There's, there's great technology out there. You know, use it 100%. But when it comes to you know, putting on a good show, nah. Yeah, just a band play, has to just play, play a show, man. Play, play, yeah. The band has to sound good just playing together as a band without everything else. Mm-hmm. A, a perfect example. Uh, so, uh, my client, signature artist that we have, uh, you know, Jerry Cantrell, Allison right. Chains, they have zero tracks. Yeah. There's no tracks. Anytime you've seen them, there is zero. It all it's all of them singing and playing and that's what they sound like. And there's a lot to be said for that. A lot of people have accused, oh, there there must be tracks. And I I've know, known the sound guy really well that used to mix them all the time. He's like, There's there's no fucking tracks here. <laughs> if you can find the tracks here, tell me where they are. <laughs> 
No, it's a, it's a, exactly if if you're a good band, if you know, you know, if you're good at what you do, um, you don't need a laptop to play your backing tracks and and whatnot. I mean, if you if you're somebody like Devin Townsend, for example, who really has a production that includes lots of layers and and strings and synths and whatnot there's no way around this you yeah. you need to have that because otherwise people are going to be disappointed but like for you know kiss a metal band just, yeah yeah freaking kiss <laughs> yeah backing tracks come on it's a, yeah it's a joke i agree yeah, yeah, it's um, it's it's absolutely weird, and then and then some guys that should have backing tracks are not using them. Uh, I've seen a uh, somebody um, recently in, in in Munich using his his phone to record some of some bits and pieces of a Bon Jovi concert, and that was just it was just really awful because uh, John Bon Jovi was. At least, I don't know, a half tone lower singing on most of like the hits, like Living on a Prayer, and he's like totally off mm-hmm. and he doesn't hear it, he doesn't recognize it. And that's when he's like, oh, you know, okay, use a backing okay, track or, or don't play. You know, <laughs> what's that, Dave? I can tell you stories about that one. <laughs> yeah? Not on the air. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> Gotcha, gotcha. Uh, yeah, it's um, yeah, it's um, it's kind of, yeah, kind, kind of weird. I mean, I I used to be I used to be uh uh you know, uh sort of a Bon Jovi fan uh, yeah. in the early nineties, uh, especially yeah. when they they hit hit their peak, uh like like the mid nineties or something, and they were such a great live band, mm-hmm. and then you see them. Touring and the musicians are great. I mean, obviously Phil is an amazing musician, is a great player. But if the lead singer sucks, then you know, what's it worth? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Hmm. Interesting. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. I feel the same way about, um, unfortunately, about David Lee Roth and Van Halen. Oh. Okay. Yeah, this should be very interesting. I can't wait to actually. Uh, I can't wait to actually see this one. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The band's really good. I can tell you that they're rehearsing across the street. So I'm sure it's going to be sound great. I mean, Alice Strike. Band's killer. Alice sounds great. amazing. Um, so, but, so what's going? What what's going on? They're they're reunited, and they're they're. Dave, no, David Lee Roth is uh, doing a solo. Uh, tour he's doing a residency in vegas and then he's opening for kiss oh and then he's opening for kiss on a a whole next leg of their tour oh okay and uh and they got a great uh this guitar player alice strada who's uh from out here in southern california that is is he played uh, van halen a band uh cover band called eruption or something for a while and he can do he can do it verbatim you know verbatim just really really well and he's been doing it for years so and he's, they're, they're doing all the vice stuff also and all the oh wow uh, yeah he's been doing he know that's the best guy possible for that gig so um gotcha okay so the band sounds great uh, we'll see about the singing yeah <laughs> <That's>, <laughs> yeah it's funny i have to uh 
be- because that seems to be uh, that seems to be like an, an age-old question as well as you know uh, Diamond Dave um, <laughs> or um, the other guy <laughs> and I have to say um, I have d- down in my living room I have uh, a vinyl that I really love uh, and it's actually my favorite banana record and it's 5150 so it's not Diamond Dave mm. so I'm guilty I'm guilty because I really like the songs on that record it's just yeah. uh, oh it's a great know. record there's no doubt about it it's just to me it's just not as good as the the Dave stuff but but you're younger than us though Frank I think so that's what that's possible it's possible and and also Van Halen was way bigger in the US and is still still way bigger than it was in Germany. I mean, it was big in Germany, but in, there's no comparison to the U.S. Mm, yeah. Not even a chance. Yeah, yeah, they were massive here. They they, they never they never worked the European markets very much uh, back in the. Hmm. Yeah, yeah. That's they, they that's didn't like true. going to Europe. Evidently. Interesting. I don't know why. I think I'd rather get out of here. Yeah. <laughs> I'd rather be in Europe. <laughs> Maybe they couldn't get good drugs back then in Europe. <laughs> well, you, you can always go to the Netherlands, right? I mean, that's true. That's that you know, that's that, that was that was another fun, another fun thing that I experienced last year uh, at Nam, because I mean, yeah, in in Europe, if you want to have a good time and you want to you know enjoy yourself, you go to Amsterdam. Because you know you can you can drink you can smoke weed whatever, uh, and you know walk around the red light district and entertain yourself. And then last year we arrived at Nam and we arrived a couple of days earlier to like you know settle in with the time change and everything. And the first thing my colleagues, uh, some of my colleagues, were doing was like, we have to go to a dispensary, and I was like, "What the hell is a dispensary?" <laughs> because I, I I didn't realize that it was that weed was just real uh, like legalized in in California, the beginning yeah. of that year, and I have to give it to to these guys. It's if they do something, they're a professional. So we went to this dispensary, and you get in there, and they have like I don't know how many million different sorts of 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 weed. And then these really nice ladies that explained, he was like, hey, if you want to sleep, you know, this is good for you. If you want to be creative, <laughs> this is good for you. And I was like, and this thing is clean as a pharmacy. Right. Yeah. <laughs> it's unbelievable. Yeah. So um, basically, Los Angeles is like Amsterdam, but with, with uh, way better climate than Amsterdam has. That's for sure. Yeah. <laughs> That's for sure. When I... Yeah, this this past well, the first I think two years ago when I went to Nam, not this last year but the year before that was the first year that I was just like, I cannot believe how much pot smoking is going on outside <laughs> of the Nam. Like this, the outside of the Nam building was just like no matter where you went, it was just like, wow, it's just the strongest yeah. scent of pot everywhere. <laughs> it was crazy. Yeah, that was. That was that was uh, pretty insane. Yeah. And, uh, but yeah, it's a. Uh, I mean, you know, it's a. It's okay. It's um. It's definitely not gonna harm you as much as uh, other 
heavy stuff does or like extreme every day you know drinking until you pass out oh yeah yeah no doubt no doubt about that um hey peter urban thank you for the super chat you rock um send me your address i'm going to send you a tone talk t-shirt too for the holidays all right peter um thanks for many great episodes in 2019 keep it up mark dave and guests here's to a fabulous 2020 thank you thanks peter thanks man really appreciate that um let's see and on, that, on that note i mean you know we probably should let this poor man go to sleep yes probably, <laughs> probably. i'm uh i'm 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 fine I've, i think i've passed the point uh it's um totally <laughs> totally totally up to up to you guys that's good uh i probably have to get going too here we've been we've already been at two about two and a half hours yeah we have all oh, right yeah gotcha. um well, I'm definitely going to check out some King's X albums. Um, Absolutely. Make sure you guys... 100%. Yeah. Um, make sure you guys check out Reverb.com. Um, Frank, please uh, tell us about your bands, uh, you know, where people can reach you, if you know, see you on social media, your channel on YouTube. Uh, sure, yeah. I can... Uh, I'm just going to leave some, some, some stuff in the in the comments mm -hmm. uh if that's if that's okay yeah perfect um i um, it's well the the youtube channel is not really big but um every time i do something i do it with um with passion i'm having i'm having fun um you, people can also listen to the album on the youtube channel it's up there um and um yeah sure i'm gonna put some stuff in the comments okay what's the name of the band too um the well, I have this this project that I do on my own, which is called uh, Path to Happiness. Okay. Uh, which I I released one album, um, and uh, the band that I'm currently playing in is a is a is a local band, is uh, and a, and a German band on on top of it with German lyrics. So I'm I'm pretty sure it's not going to be okay. that interesting to people. <laughs> <laughs> but everything but every, everything else I'm going to link into into the comments. And if you want, you can like it pin it and then i will pin it people can see it will do will do um so we're going to be at nam people so we're not going to be probably not going to be on uh and have a show until after nam probably i'd imagine dave right yeah probably not i'm gonna be um swamped knee, knee deep in and stuff finishing the 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 black red and small <laughs> The riddle <laughs> and silver ones. All right. So, um, yeah, you can guys can keep thinking about that riddle. <laughs> <laughs> I'm 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 curious to see if people actually figure it out. Uh, someone might have figured something out, but <laughs> the red one's the only one that gives it away. The red one's the only one, but I'm not sure. The red one. Okay. Um, well, Frank, man, thank you so much. It's a pleasure knowing you. You're a great guy, and uh, I really appreciate you coming on the show. Um, check out, everybody, check out Reverb.com if, if you don't uh, purchase there. And then Sweetwater.com is our sponsor on the show, so uh, you guys check out Sweetwater. I'm going to post links to uh, some deals for Sweetwater and stuff like that down below in the comments, so make sure you click that. Please hit subscribe. Hit the like button, and we'll be back probably in about a month um, with another show. So, uh, Frank, hang on while we say goodbye.
And All right. everybody have a great weekend. Thank you so much for joining. Dave, thank you. Yeah. Take care.